0: Lord, we give you thanks for this day. What a wonderful day it is to welcome a new person into the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit, I ask that as we go through this rite with Sylvia, her parents and godparents, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, just as you've promised us in your Son. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's so many good things that uh, we could focus on today. I told um, Jesse earlier in this week that the lectionary readings couldn't be more perfect for a baptism. And yet these are not the baptismal propers, the, the ones that are specifically a set aside for baptism. These are Easter readings. And, and look at all that's in them talking about who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is. I think perhaps the most powerful line in Jesus' text in the gospel today is the line, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. If anyone is an orphan or, or, or has been around them at some point, you know that it's something they struggle with their entire life. Even people that are adopted struggle with this, right? They're knowing their identity, knowing where they come from, knowing who and whose they are, right? I have a friend uh, in Pittsburgh, he's an Eastern Orthodox deacon, and he and his family just adopted a beautiful young girl from uh, Bulgaria, I think it was. And as young as she is, she still is going through that massive shock of, of shifting into being part of a family because she wasn't part of a family, she was in an orphanage. All by yourself. It's a huge change, but a joyful one. And today we celebrate just that, in fact. Of course, Sylvia has parents, but today she gains godparents. Of course, Sylvia has a family, but today she gains you as the family of God. It's an eternal beginning, friends. From this day forward, she begins a new life committed by covenant to a life that will lead eventually to everlasting joy. Oh yes, there will be turbulent times. And pay attention because the baptismal prayers don't gloss over that. There's the wonderful imagery of the church being the ark taking us through troubled waters in the prayers. But we know first and foremost that Sylvia today is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come, St. Paul says, because Christ reconciled her and us to God. She goes from being an orphan, essentially, to a child of God. And there's three wonderful things in the readings that I want to point out to you today. Number one, it's God who reaches out to us, always, all the time. It's God who takes the initiative. Number two, that in baptism, we're given a brotherhood, a brotherhood, as First John talks about. And number three, we have the promise of the Holy Spirit, the thing that we can hang our hat on every day through every situation. So one, God reaches out to us. Two, in baptism we gain the brotherhood. Three, we have the promise of the Holy Spirit. Look with me at the Acts passage that we read today. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It's in your, uh, in the, at the, on the front of the uh, service bulletin with the gold heading. Or you can open to it in your Bibles. Acts chapter 8. What's the first thing you notice about this story of Philip and the baptism of the eunuch? What's the first thing happening there in verse 4? Yes, the first thing that happens is that an angel tells him to rise up. I'm sorry, verse 26. Yeah, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south road. That place goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. This is God's reaching out. This is an act of God. We know from the Psalms that angels are ministers of God. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, you as angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey the voice of the Lord. And we're told that Philip does what? He rises up and he goes. And let's stop for a second and just reflect on that. Who is this Philip in Acts 8? Is this Philip, the mighty apostle who saw Jesus and was called with the apostle Nathanael in Galilee in John chapter 1? Is this that Philip? No, it's not. Who is this Philip? Well, this Philip is Philip the deacon. Philip the deacon. This Philip is someone who was set aside by the apostles to care for the widows and the orphans in Acts chapter 6. And so we see here that Philip is not necessarily some extraordinary apostle armed with great rhetoric and power. No, actually not. He's just a normal person in the church that's been set aside and ordained. If you take a look at what's going on in the book of Acts, earlier in chapter 8, Philip has been preaching in the region of Samaria, 8-4. And eventually, he serves as the vanguard for the apostles. He goes and he proclaims Jesus to peoples that don't know him. And then the apostles actually come in second. 8.14 tells us that that Philip goes and proclaims the gospel and the apostles see what's going on and they say, oh, we better go down there and lay our hands on these guys so that they can receive the Holy Spirit. You see, Philip is being obedient to God as part of the church. And today's passage outlines how God reaches out multiple times. We see it in different ways here. We see God sending that angel. We see the Ethiopian worshiper. Right? Think about that. What's this Ethiopian doing here on the road? What's going on? God's called him. God's called him to come and worship. He's probably a God-fearer. He's probably either a Jew or someone that was looking into this God of the Jews all the way from northern Africa. God's called him. Number three, God's reached out through the Scripture. What's going on as... Philip obediently follows God's call. Is it happenstance that this Ethiopian just happens to be reading? Like a shepherd, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before his shearer, he's silent. So now he opened his mouth. Of course, we know that to be Isaiah's writing about Jesus. No, of course not. That's the Holy Spirit working behind the scenes, calling the Ethiopian to faith in Jesus Christ. So we see here three yeses, three yeses, three obediences. Philip goes to the middle of the desert. I mean, think about this for a second. I know it's holy scripture, so you know, we're probably familiar with it, but think about what's going on here. Philip is called by this angel to go out into the middle of the desert, okay, and start running next to a moving chariot. How many of you would do that? Now, Philip's given the grace. Philip's given this grace that the angel comes and tells him to do it. So, you know, that helps, right? When an angel appears and says, hey, go do this, you might say, well, yes, sir. But think about how bizarre the situation is for a moment. This guy's riding through the desert and and Philip, you know, runs up next to him. He's got to be jogging at least, right, To, to come up to a chariot. And he starts telling him about Jesus. All because God set up these circumstances and called him. Philip says yes. Not just in accepting Jesus. Philip says yes in following Jesus' commandments and obeying him. Just like we saw Jesus talk about in the the, uh, gospel reading today. And you know what happens? Guess what happens? Because this This Philip goes, this deacon, goes and he shares the gospel with this Ethiopian. This Ethiopian becomes a saint himself. He's known as Simeon the Niger. Simeon the Black. Why? Well, God's going to use Simeon, who appears later in Acts chapter 13, to spread the gospel to all Numidia. Church tradition has it that Simeon goes from Acts 13 down into Africa and proclaims the gospel to a whole nother people. And you know what that became? It became the Ethiopian church, Orthodox church, and the Coptic church. Have you ever heard about those, the Egyptian Coptic church and the Ethiopian church? There's more than 50 million Christians in Africa out of this obedience. It's an astounding thing. Let's look at the second point, that being part of God's family gives us a brotherhood in the church. First John talks about it. Part of the promise of the church is that you'll never be alone again. Oh, it's true that circumstances will put you in a place that you might feel alone, We're given the promise of the Holy Spirit, and we're we're given the promise of Christian brotherhood in the church. And oh, that the church would live up to this, right? That's one of the things we're talking about as we go through our series on community. Oh, that the church would live into the words of the Apostle John here. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. It's in your bulletin again. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother, but we should love one another. The Apostle John tells us that we should love one another with a brotherly love. What does that mean? Does it just mean that, you know, we're kind to each other? Oh, no. Does it just mean that, you know, we're pleasant with each other? when we annoy each other? Oh no. It means that we are to love one another sacrificially as a a brother and a sister, as a granddaughter or grandson, as a father and a mother loves their children. That Sylvia will have you to love her as a sister, as a daughter, as a granddaughter as a goddaughter, that that's part of what we're doing here today, this promise of brotherhood. And it's not just a niceness. Look at verse 16. It's a sacrificial kind of love. By this we know love, says the apostle John, that he laid down his life for us, Jesus that is, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. The apostles admonishing us, exhorting us, calling us to love one another, not just in niceness, but to love one another with a deep, rich love, having one another's back Doing everything in our power to keep one another on the right track, following Jesus Christ. Sacrificing ourselves to help one another, if that need be. How do we take this seriously as the church? How can we be better at this? Well, that's the third point. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Finally, this is the most important point, friends. Baptism gives Sylvia the Holy Spirit. That God is going to be in her, as Jesus says in John's Gospel. He doesn't just say God will be around you or near you. He says, I will be in you through the Holy Spirit. Set up shop. Have your back. Be with you in all things. That's a wonderful promise, isn't it? It's something that the magnitude of which I think we often forget as we walk through our lives. Look at that gospel reading today. Look at exactly what Jesus is promising. John fourteen sixteen. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot give because it neither sees him or knows him. The gospel passage here, Jesus is not been crucified or risen from the dead yet on Easter, but Jesus yet promises this helper, the Greek words paraclete, this helper to be with them always and to help them keep his commandments. The Holy Spirit will be given to Sylvia just as he's been given to each one of us who's been baptized, to teach us to help us keep God's commandments, and ultimately, to give us life. How does this tie to baptism? Well, earlier in John's Gospel, in John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. You know the passage. I know you all do. It's a famous one, right? John chapter 3. Verses 5 and 6, Jesus says to Nicodemus Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. But here's what's going on Sylvia is no longer a spiritual orphan. She's no longer just born of the flesh. She'll be born of the spirit and of water, born from on high, be able to call God, Father, Abba. Be able to call you brother or sister. The Holy Spirit will fall upon her today as we use that oil and water as part of her baptism. That's, what's we're, that's what we're doing. It's nothing short of that. So you see, the gift of the Holy Spirit is to be born from on high. And today, God the Father says to Sylvia, Sylvia, I have called you to be my daughter and will always care for you. Today, Jesus the Son says to Sylvia, Sylvia, you are not, you are not part of the fa- you are now part of the family. You're now part of the family. You have brothers and sisters to look after you and for whom you will one day look after. Today, God the Holy Spirit says, you are now washed and sealed. Come and be part of me. Come alive now and forever. But these callings which begin on this day for her are also true for you and me. God the Father calls to you and me, and says, you are my son or my daughter. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I love you. Love me. I'm not asking you to keep my commandments in your own strength. I'm asking you to love me. I have amazing things for you, just like Philip, if you're willing to follow and obey Secondly, Jesus the Son calls to you and I and says, I'm your brother. Love the family I've given you. Look at one another sacrificially. Look after one another. Care for each other spiritually, emotionally, physically. Be there for one another. God the Holy Spirit says, You're washed and sealed in me. Come alive. Come alive more. Eternal life is not just after death. This isn't just fire insurance. It's an amazing thing that God's given us. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks that you have called us. We thank you that you always call us.